Welcome to the FinTalks, a chat with Finance Malta. Today we're here with Andre Zarafa from the Malta Asset Servicing Association. Andre, may I invite you to introduce yourself? Thank you, Angel. Uh, during this podcast, we will be addressing some issues on the recent loan fund rules which were issued by the MFSA in November of 2020. Uh, as an introduction, I have been practicing in this area of funds and asset management now for the last 15 years or so. I'm a partner at the law firm of Ganado Advocates uh, and today I hope to be able to address satisfactorily Angel's questions as they come along. Great, thank you. And so let's talk about these rules. Do you think the recent revisions of the MFSA loan fund rules will accelerate the setting up of such funds in Malta? The well, the loan fund rules. We've had loan fund rules now for for more than I would say eight years, if I'm not mistaken. The recent revisions were issued in November of 2020, as I just said, and uh, they've been long in coming in the sense that ESMA, which is the uh, European Securities and Markets Authority, issued an opinion on debt funds and on loan origination specifically mm-hmm. in April of 2016. So, uh, several years ago, we had a European Supervisory Authority which had already expressed its views on how loan origination should be regulated in the different EU member states. We've picked this up recently um, and the rules today, as issued, are basically a reflection of ESMA's opinion, as issued in 2016, which, I would reiterate, were, were focused on loan origination whereas the MFSA's loan fund rules go beyond loan origination. So we are, in a way, regulating other areas which the ESMA opinion did not even get into because we are also extending the the rules to, apart from loan origination, to receivables financing, that is forfeiting and factoring transactions, as well as loan acquisition. So participation in syndicated lending, mezzanine debt, or the acquisition of portfolios of loans. Mm -hmm. This stimulus is expected to happen in the sense that we should be now hopefully placed on the map as an alternative to other other member states which have had more flexible rules for a number of years, even preceding the ESMA opinion. Mm -hmm. So these rules are welcome. Uh, They are yet another uh, tool which we can use to provide solutions uh, to our clients. And, and hopefully the objectives which were identified by the MFSA in the circular issued in November 2020 would be achieved as well. Okay, very good. And how do these rules as revised fit into the, the wider approach on alternative sources of funding at an EU level? Well, the EU has been for a number of years uh, pushing a capital markets union, mm-hmm. uh, pushing an agenda for having a single market uh, from a capital markets perspective, uh, there was very recently, even in June of 2020, uh, the uh, European uh, the European authorities came out saying that bank lending alone will not present a solution uh, for the the debt needs um, of businesses out there, and so the financing requirements uh, to ensure a rapid and strong turnaround of the financial markets need to come from elsewhere not just from the banks. And in fact, over the years, the the European Union has pushed a number of different structures, 
um, notably the um, securitization regulation on um, simple, transparent and standardized securitizations, which in parentheses, uh, we, uh, when Malta had the council uh, in hand, when it was the, the, mm -hmm. uh, the, had the presidency of the council, it was one of the items on its agenda and it was issued at the time and we had negotiated a fantastic deal for both sides really and were crucial in the issuance of this regulation. So uh, the STS, known as the STS regulation, providing securitization solutions and hence an alternative level, an alternative for finance, for, for bank lending. Mm -hmm. As much as it has also, the EU has also introduced the uh, European uh, LTIF, which is a particular type of fund which is also another alternative to bank lending. Now, loan origination, which simply put is giving loans to third parties, is normally the realm of the banks. Extending it to funds and allowing funds to originate loans is, in a wider context, part of the um, much-pushed capital markets union. Right. So, uh, the fact that we now have these rules which are a revamp of the old rules, which I had already provided for loan origination, but now mm. these rules provide for more flexibility, okay. um, is certainly part and parcel of uh, the, the, the wider context at EU level. Mm -hmm. And are there any unique selling points that, that make Malta attractive in this, in this area? Yes, I would identify two in particular. So first of all, there is no risk diversification requirement which is specific and which is linked to percentage of a loan fund, of a Maltese loan fund. Right. Uh, whereas in other jurisdictions, like in Ireland and in Luxembourg, there always seem to be certain requirements insofar as the portfolio of the fund is concerned. It needs to be diversified. Okay. Whereas in our case, what there is, is a, a reference to the fact that when the manager or when the fund is deciding what loans to originate or, to, or what loans to acquire, Mm -hmm. It needs to have a diversification of loans in the sense it wouldn't have one borrower because if yes. that borrower goes down, obviously the fund goes down. Uh, but apart from that, there isn't a requirement to have diversification on throwing in different types of securities, for example. So you can have a, what I would refer to as a pure loan fund, right. which is merely originating loans and it doesn't need to then, in order to diversify its risk, invest in money market instruments okay, or in other collective investments. Invest schemes. in equities or uh, or okay. in equities exactly. Uh, so that is, I think, a, um, a clear selling point for those promoters, for those operators who wish to have a fund which is very much focused on loans, on mm -hmm. lending. The second, I think, major advantage, which uh, unique selling point, I would say, even more than the first one, which we have in our framework is that loan funds can also be set up as PIFs, right. short for Professional Investor Funds. So uh, a, a PIF is a non-harmonized fund, mm -hmm. so as opposed to a harmonized fund, which would be either a USITS or an AIF. It is very homegrown, so we've had PIFs. I remember the first PIF we set up as an office was in 2001. Right. And there were rules at the time, which were issued by the MFSA between 2000 and 2001, on PIFs. So we have extensive experience on the setting up of these structures. Now the huge advantage of a PIF is that while it does not enjoy the passport, so that's a disadvantage, on the other hand, it is not subject to the stringent rules of the AIFM directive. Mm -hmm. 
which means for us very importantly, it does not need to have a depository which is based in Malta. Since, as probably um, half the world knows, we have a lack of depositories in Malta. So it is uh, the PIF is a solution, particularly where you have a club deal or you have a small group of investors coming together out of their own initiative mm-hmm. or brought together by one promoter where the marketing of the fund isn't important, mm-hmm. right? So because then if you want to really market your fund across the board, you need a passport so you can only go with an AIF, you can't mm-hmm. go with a PIF. Or more importantly now with Brexit, where you have fund managers which are outside of the European Union, mm-hmm. who, however, would want to have a structure, regulated structure in the EU. Right. That is what a PIF would give you. Mm-hmm. It doesn't give you the marketing, but it gives you a regulated solution mm-hmm. and a very flexible one at that as well. Okay, and where can that be sold? Well, it can be sold in, in the sense the PIF itself can be uh, it can't be sold in, a, in the traditional way of going around meeting people in the EU mm-hmm. and selling them the product. Because, and even outside of the EU, a PIF can be sold depending on the rules of the particular jurisdiction. Right. Now, that really applies both to the EU and out of the EU, mm-hmm. in the sense that each country, to the extent that a product is not harmonized, has really, it is really up to the country to decide to what extent a product can be marketed in a jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. Now, most countries are very protectionist when it comes to marketing. However, there are a few, mostly outside of the EU, who would allow certain products to be promoted only to certain types of investors. Right. Now, a professional investor fund can, as the name implies, only be promoted exactly. to professionals. So, to professional mm-hmm. investors, what we refer to in the PIF rules of the MFSA, what they refer to as qualifying investors, yes. which are really, without getting into too much detail, high net worth individuals, who are able to invest 100,000 euro in the fund because the fund is subject to a minimum mm-hmm. investment of 100,000 euro. So uh, while on the, on the one hand the promoter would need to be careful to what extent he would be using this fund in order to market it, so capital raising as mm-hmm. such isn't really appropriate for a PIF or, a, right. or the, other, the other way around. A PIF is not really appropriate mm-hmm. for capital raising seen in a traditional way. Mm-hmm. However, most of the, at least the few loan funds, because there, there are very few loan funds in Malta so far, mm-hmm. since, as we were saying, the rules are a revamp of, of much stringent rules which we had before. Yes. However, the few there are and the few our office have been involved in are very much club deals, mm-hmm. are very much um, uh, similar to what a securitization vehicle would, would provide. Right. So you'd have, for example, a bank or two banks or three, and they want to get off their balance sheet mm-hmm. a portfolio of loans. Now, to do that, they can either securitize those loans through a securitization transaction, in which case typically you would have debt instruments being issued, mm-hmm. or you can do it through a fund. Now, in a fund, you have equity. You don't normally have debt. Right? So it mm-hmm. gives you an alternative solution to securitization. Yes. If, on the other hand, the promoter wants to go out there and without any restriction, rather than providing a solution to a client on a, on a face-to-face basis, but he wants to meet banks, he wants to meet, he wants to meet professional clients without any restriction, mm-hmm. probably the PIF is not the right vehicle for mm-hmm. him, then he should be going for an alternative investment fund. Yes. Which means, therefore, that it would have to be subject to the IFMD requirements. Mm-hmm. Okay, very good. And are there any other parts of the framework that you believe require further revision? 
Yes, I, I think um, we took a, a, a very courageous step, I think, in the right direction. But maybe we need to be a little bit more courageous. We need to be a little bit more uh, even aligned with what other EU member states are doing. So if I were to look at other member states, and typically here, the, the jurisdiction which has, which has really flown with this, with this type of structure is Ireland and Luxembourg is slowly but surely taking over as well. So private debt in Luxembourg, that's what, how they refer to it, is one of mm. the biggest um, uh, fund areas, yeah. fund strategies which is being launched. And there's a reason for that. The reason is time to market. Mm -hmm. You basically are able to launch a fund in, in these two countries in a very short period of time because in Luxembourg they are not even regulated. So it's the fund manager who would be regulated, not yes. the fund. Very similar to what we have in Malta with the notified AIF. Mm -hmm. However, the MFSA has so far not included loan funds with the notified AIF regime. Right. So you need to go with a full license and that could take you three, four, sometimes even six months. Right. Um, now time to market in this area in particular is key, mm -hmm. particularly in the middle of a pandemic or with, with all... We're now thinking of post-pandemic, but we're in the middle of it still. Uh, but let's say the post is coming soon, right? <laughs> um, if the post is coming soon, one of the things which is going to come in the post is probably going to be several uh, borrowers defaulting on their debt or possibly people going bankrupt, um, uh, businesses filing for bankruptcy or approaching their banks with, with huge issues on their debt mm -hmm. book and so on. So it is now in very, very clear and immediately that one would need, if one is going to launch a fund of this type, to launch it and launch it quickly in order to address a very particular situation in the market, which the market has already gone through after the financial crisis. Yes. So in 2011 and 2012, Malta could have cornered the market as much as Ireland and Luxembourg had cornered the market at the time. We didn't. Mm -hmm. Why? because we imposed certain requirements which made it nonsensical to have a loan fund in Malta, such as, right. something we removed now, no leverage. So a loan fund couldn't be leveraged at all. Okay. ESMA, ESMA itself, in 2016, mm -hmm. actually put us, with, put us with Spain, probably one of the most conservative jurisdictions in Europe, as one of two countries which don't allow their loan funds to leverage. Right. That was a wrong decision. Now we introduced a requirement you can leverage, mm -hmm. but not more than a 200% of your NAV. Okay. I, would, I would say we've been a bit courageous. We could have been much more courageous. Mm -hmm. That reflects the Irish position, 200% of NAV. Right. It doesn't reflect the position in Luxembourg, where there don't seem to be any leverage restrictions on loan funds. Right. Okay. ESMA said that there should be some restrictions. It didn't, say how, it didn't give a number. What is interesting, though, with ESMA is that its paper was only on loan origination. Right. Whereas our rules apply the 200% leverage also to loan acquisitions mm -hmm. and to receivables financing. Okay. So we haven't, had we, for example, as I would have done, had I had the, 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 the power to do it, mm -hmm. come up with a rule book or with a set of rules for those loan funds which are only focusing on loan origination. And there we need to be conservative because loan origination is basically someone who is issuing money and lending it to third parties. Nice. On the other hand, a different set of rules should have been applied to funds which are involved in loan acquisition and receivables financing. 
We haven't done that. Hopefully, the MFSA will see the point of revisiting. I mean, it has already been a good step. I don't want to be mm-hmm. too negative. The fact that we have taken this decision in November of last year is already positive. Mm-hmm. I think we need to be a little bit more courageous and address these okay. uh, these points. Okay, and very good. Thank you. And and how do, do the loan fund rules interact with the prohibition on lending arising from the Financial Institutions Act? Okay, so until the old loan fund rules were issued, a collective investment scheme which wanted to engage in lending activities mm-hmm. had to get another license under the Financial Institutions Act. Right. Otherwise, it couldn't lend. Okay. Now, the... Uh, the negative connotation of that is when we say lending, normally, I would imagine loan origination, so I'm giving money out. However, the way in which lending has been interpreted in the Financial Institutions Act by our regulator extends as well to receivables financing. Right. Not to mention loan origination, of course, and potentially even loan acquisitions. Mm-hmm. So portfo- acquisitions of loan portfolios. So it was a bit of a killer in the sense that in order for me to have a loan fund, I would have had to get a license by the MFSA in terms of the Investment Services Act and another license under the FIA, under the Financial right. Institutions Act. The old loan fund rules address this and they impose the licensing requirement only under the Investment Services Act for a collective mm-hmm. investment scheme like any other collective investment scheme. Right. But at the same time, they also um, uh, provided an exemption mm-hmm. for that collective investment scheme from getting a license under the Financial Institutions Act. Okay. Now, it is uh, a, a little bit of, a, of a, a balancing act in the sense that the more liberal you become with the rules on collective investment schemes, mm-hmm. the more you are basically allowing these types of structures to do things which are akin to what a bank does. Yes, of course. Uh, and that is why we regulate financial institutions and banks. Now, mm-hmm. the big difference is that these can't take deposits. Mm-hmm. A bank has to take deposits, otherwise it's not a bank. And generally, I would assume cert- certain level of collect- collective investment schemes are not marketed to retail investors as well. Absolutely. In fact, um, one of the requirements in our rules is that these cannot be marketed to retail. So mm-hmm. if they are AIF, if the loan fund is set up as an AIF. Yes. They cannot be retail AIFs if set up as a PIF, as the name implies there. They're not retail products. Mm-hmm. I think that explains the interplay between the two. So I do appreciate that the regulator also has ha, is bearing in mind certain consumer protection, uh, has certain consumer protection considerations mm-hmm. in order for us not to go to the other extreme then and have quasi-banks um, uh, dressed as funds, yes. uh, so uh, that I can that I can appreciate. Mm-hmm. Okay, and considering that the the appetite for for these vehicles has has increased throughout the pandemic, especially, what's your outlook for for loan funds in Malta? I think it's going to be a struggle for us to compete with other jurisdictions who have been at it now for the last ten years, mm-hmm. if not more, in a much more liberal and flexible manner. Uh, I still think that Malta, with the PIF regime, so having PIFs as loan funds, is really our USP. Mm-hmm. I think we will struggle to corner the market and to compete on the AIF side, okay. so loan funds which are AIFs, because of the depository requirement, mm-hmm. 
because of the lack of depositories in Malta and because of the fact that the few depositories we have in Malta probably wouldn't want to go anywhere close to a loan fund right. because they don't have experience in, the, in, in, in mm-hmm. uh, dealing with a loan fund. So I still believe that as a, as a jurisdiction, the PIF regime with a much faster time to market, we can't mm-hmm. wait three, four or five months. Yeah. We need to wait a, a week. Mm-hmm. So reducing the regulatory requirements on the PIF itself from getting a license or giving it a much softer license and allowing those PIFs to basically operate as loan funds and distinguishing between loan origination mm-hmm. and acquisition of loan portfolios will be key for us to be able to have Malt as a jurisdiction providing certain bespoke solutions and specific solutions to a segment of the market. Great. Thank you very much. That was Andres Arafa from Massa. Thank you. Thank you, Angel.